and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, and we are coming to you live out of our studios in northwest Sydney, all over Australia. Welcome to the program, wherever you are. We're glad to have you on board. Hunty. Yes, mate. Uh, glad to be here, and also glad to have our listeners on board, too. Welcome. Yeah, good day outside today. In fact, beautiful day. But I live in a house that's really well insulated, and my cousin's staying with me at the moment, Bruce. And he says to me, man, this house is cold. It can't be well insulated. Back to front he was, Hunty. Oh, dear. Because it's so well insulated when it's cold, even when the sun comes up, it stays cold. Right. <clears throat> so I'd have to heat it to warm it up and then it'd stay hot all day. Does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds good. How you been going at your place? Uh, mate, our house is really well insulated and we get it warm and you it stays warm. You bought a diesel heater. Yes, I did. Do they work? Oh, that's for my caravan. Are they? Do they work? Well, I bought a 5,000 watt one, I turned it on in my caravan, and no kidding, 60 seconds later I had to turn it off, the place has melted. Are they cheap to run? Um, depends on what setting, probably about a litre an hour. Could I mean, I, a litre all night, probably, if you run it on low. Could I run it in my house? I've been, yeah, the reason I asked that, I've could. been wondering about you that, could. because heating is so expensive now, yeah. we're actually shivering our way through this winter. So yeah. I do a lot of my work all you know, curled up in bed, and it leaves you with a sore neck and all the rest of it because we don't want to turn the heater on because of the cost of electricity. And I, I heard about you and your diesel heater not so long ago, and I'm thinking, what about a diesel heater? Would that yeah, work in no, this not, cold? Not really for your house, I don't think. No, sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering. What about my bedroom if I only use it in my bedroom? <laughs> I'm looking well, for a way out here. It would be very hard, uh, very hard to get to run in your bedroom because... There's a lot of uh, issues. It's a, it's a turbo jet engine. It's got to have exhaust and any air intake, etc. Okay, okay. You know what I'm waiting for here, There is the time and make sure it's running, yes. <laughs> I'm going to keep the short circuit it right now. Is that because it's not working or we forget every week or I'm just wondering how that's um, working there? What happens? I think you asked about the diesel heater and so my brain was on that not setting the timer on. <laughs> so going back to the diesel heater, you're saying I can have it for my bedroom or I can't? Uh, it wouldn't be practical to set up in, in a rented house in the bedroom, no. Because no. it needs external air and it needs an exhaust pipe because that's a turbo diesel engine. Ah, yeah. okay, okay. Yes. All right. Wherever you are today, we're glad you joined us. This day in history, let me tell you a little bit about what happened on this day, which is July the... Do you know what the date is today, Hunty? I do, 25. 25 yeah. July. 25th, I almost said 28th. Time is quite up now. Yeah, no worries, mate. In 306 AD, I don't say ACE, AD. I never say ACE. No. Constantine was proclaimed emperor by his troops. Constantine, the reason I put this is, is Constantine was probably the first emperor to claim Christ and Christianity. Uh, was he Christian? I think the jury's out on that, and only God really knows. Nine years later to the day, in 315 AD, the Arch of Constantine was completed by the Senate to celebrate celebrate Constantine's victory over Maxentius at Milvian Bridge. Now, have you been to Milvian Bridge, Hunty? Uh, whereabouts is it? Rome. Yes, probably yes, you, you have. have for sure. You definitely, 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 definitely have. Yep. You probably don't remember it. Yep. But there's a great battle there where Constantine actually defeated uh, Maxentius, who was the other 
ah, you'd say, protagonist for the for the emperor for the throne of those days, defeated in battle right up against this bridge, and actually Max Maxentius, as his army went down, was fleeing across uh, the river there, and uh, they reckon he drowned. And mm. so nine years later, after that victory in three hundred six AD, to the day the Senate built this arch called the Arch of Constantine. 2,000-odd years later, it's still there. Mm. And pretty good shape, too. Indeed. 1868, the Wyoming Territory is established in the United States of America. It, uh, in 1890, it became a state, but in 1868, America claimed it. Uh, the 44th state, actually. Kind of America works like that. They would go and claim a territory, and then later they would make it a state. Do you know how many states there are in the United States, Hunty? Uh, I lost count of 52 or 54. 50, I think. 50. <laughs> I think you got... You know which state was the last one to get statehood? Hawaii or yeah, Alaska? Yeah, yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I, I think it's Hawaii. Alaska was born before Hawaii. They bought Alaska Correct. off the Russians. Off the Russians. Do you know how much they paid? Ridiculously cheap amount. What do you reckon? Can you, can you remember? No, I can't. I can't I'm just... pretty sure it's $3 million. Yeah, for all that oil. <laughs> it's not just all the oil. It's, it's, it's where it's at. I mean, the Russians would give everything to get it back. Um, and this one, I never knew this. On this date in 1965, Bob Dylan ditched his acoustic guitar for an electric one. Good on him. That's a huge deal. <laughs> it was. They say it changed rock and roll and folk music forever. Because once Rob Dylan took on these new electric guitars, everybody did. Okay, so he's a leader, was he? He was a leader. Yeah. I didn't know that one. Um, 1978, Louise Brown. Ever heard of her? Because no. I hadn't before today. I have not. She's a very special person. She's the first person to be born on this day, 1978. So she's 88, 98, 2008, about 45 today. She's the first person conceived using vitro fertilisation. Nice. Mm, I don't know much about that, but apparently it's a good thing if you're having trouble having kids. Yep. Sad one, on this day in 2000, the Concorde crashed in Paris, killing 109 people on board and four people on the ground. I remember that story. It was really sad. Oh. I think what happened was somehow the tyre yep. taking off yep. busted, yep. flicked some metal or something up into the fuel tank, ruptured the fuel yep. tank, yep. started a fire, literally blew the thing up as it yeah. hit the ground. Part of the tyre went up into the engine and the whole thing exploded. Do you think it was the tyre going up or it flicked something up? Or, yeah, I, they I, said I, when the tyre exploded, parts of the exploded wheel and the exploded tyre went got up into, into, the, the engine. Got into the engine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm. there was a, there, that, what made that extra special sad is there was a school group from Paris going across to the US on a school trip. Oh. Man, they all perished. Very sad. Yes. And the, the pilot, apparently a brilliant pilot, did everything he could to get that thing down. Uh, that was a sad one. 2010, last one today on this day in history, WikiLeaks published documents on the Afghanistan war and Julian Assange, he's been in trouble ever since, Hunty. Oh, dear. Birthdays, what about this? Like I, who I have you what, got? Hey? Who have you got today? 1965, Dale Shearer. Don't know. Oh, Hunty, please. Yeah, your Speedway, motocross? Oh, come on, Hunty. He's just about Does the most knit? famous... <laughs> This is why you never win the state of origin. This is why New South Wales will never, oh, ever, Dale <laughs> ever win. Footy, got it. Winger for Queensland, for the Broncos, for Manly. I was pretty close when I said, does he need or so? What about this one, 1966, Dale Harrigan? Yeah, Harrigan. That's, that's like a referee. No. Oh, boo if it was. <laughs> Daryl Harrigan. Okay. 
Daryl Harrigan, his birthday, 1966. Winger for Canterbury, Kiwi, the greatest scorer in rugby NRL history. I don't know whether that still um, stands. Now, I, I know you're a, a bit of a diver on um, sports. Not, not really a sportsman, mate, but this one you'll get. 1967, Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc? Isn't he an actor from Friends? That's it. Okay. And you'll get this one too. 1969, Anastasia Palachuk. they say in Queensland. Don't, no, we don't say that. Hunty, no, we stop don't. that. No, Palachay. Palachay. Yes. That's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Anastasia, up there in Queensland. Sorry about that, Hunty. <laughs> um, deaths. This one, I, I think I would have known if I was asked out of the blue. 1997, Ben Hogan died on this day. You know who he is? One of the greatest golfers the world has ever seen. No, sorry. Yeah. And 2016, I don't know whether you know this one either. This guy died, Tim LaHaye. No. He wrote the Left Behind book series, which Mm. really advanced the idea of a secret rapture. I think we might go back and um, look at the secret rapture after this little series we're doing here. I reckon that'd be good. Um, And the word of the day, because I know our time's up, but we're going over, Hunty, because we didn't get the time ago. Oh, right? we got the time going eventually. Yeah. <laughs> what about this word? I don't think I would have known this one. Events. E-V-I-N-C-E. No. This is the word of the day. No Events. idea. No idea. It's a formal word that means to display clear, clearly. Okay. I like it. Let me use it in a sentence. Hunty evinced his ignorance on state of origin by not knowing who Dale Shearer was. Could you, you find another way, another example, please? <laughs> Here's the one I really got. I probably used it out of context there too. So evince is a formal word that means to display clearly. Here it is in the sentence. She evinced a fondness for animals of all kinds from an early age. Very good. So she loved animals. Good word, eh? Indeed. I love this. Like uh, glad you're here today, Hunty. It's good to you be here, mate. With a prayer, mate. Yeah, sure. Definitely, Father. Lord, we want to thank you for this opportunity this afternoon to lift you high in our community. But most of all, Lord, I want to pray for our listeners and all those who will watch this program and on Facebook and those who watch the podcast or listen to the podcast later, Lord, that you give them a blessing, um, wrap your loving arms around them and look after them, Lord. Thank you for this great chance to be here this afternoon. We love you, Lord, and we look forward to this program in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You pray beautiful prayers, Hunty. I always thought that about you. Well, I just feel that the Lord is with us this afternoon, and Hmm. you've always prayed good prayers. I think to bless our listeners. Yeah, I like that. this guy is uh, someone that Hunty knows. I, I kind of know this guy too, I Jeff do. Bullock. Although if you ask Jeff Bullock who Lloyd Grolman was, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't know. Same wouldn't remember me either probably. But, but I've we, worked with him a few times. We did get him mm. to New Zealand um, to do a program for us and it was fabulous. And he's singing one of the – I think it's probably his – will this be his most famous song, yeah, The Power of, of Your one Love? one of them for sure. One of or the – I reckon oh, it's great, the, South, great Southland is, big, is up there. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Well, true. this is The Power of Your Love by mm. Jeff Bullock and a friend of his, John Barber.
beautiful mate. song. You know what, mate? Yeah. That was not my mate. That was John Barber. Ah, uh, okay. So it's John Bar. So it's Jeff Bullock's song, but John mm. Barber singing it. Correct. I, I listened to his voice. And went, that's not John's. That's not um Jeff's song. Did you check? Voice. No, that is Jeff's song. Uh, you sent it to me, and you sent me the John Barber version. It's still Jeff's song, though. Totally Jeff's song. Jeff wrote it for sure. And I checked when I wrote it down. It said Jeff Bullock and John Barber. Ah, uh, well, John was singing. The main the main feature was John. Did you check? It says it on the run sheet. Says on, says on the document that you sent me. Yeah, Jeff. But yeah, I'm looking at it. The power of your love. We we talk like this all the time. Yeah, yeah. To, we've got to work this out now. The power of your love. Featuring John Barber. Jeff Bullock and John Barber. Says featuring. So what's that mean? Means he's the lead singer. Okay. You're welcome. I thought it was a beautiful rendition. Was beautiful. I yeah. liked it. Was beautiful. Yeah, really nice. Mm, good song. Uh, news. There's a lot of news today. Could yeah, have chosen a whole lot of um, different news stories. I mean, it's still. Uh, there are just so many things in the news, and they're all negative, really. This one, uh, inappropriate question by a BBC uh, reporter at the Women's World FIFA World Cup. Have you been watching the Women's oh, FIFA World look, Cup? I wish. I haven't had a chance. I've not seen one single play. I, did, uh, I don't know. I, I like football, but... Um, Women's football, well, I, I better not say too much. I'm going to get into trouble, Hunter. Oh, well, can I? Can I? I know what you're going to say. <laughs> the Americans team played an under-15 uh, boys team and got beaten 9-zip. No no, no. no? No, I wanted to say that the, the women who were they're upset because they weren't getting equal pay. I want to talk about that. Yeah, no, we're not talking about that today. Oh. <laughs> except to say this, basically... Um, Pay in sport, and I know this whether it's male or female, is dominated by the ability of that sport to generate money. Revenue So if generate yep. money for either the advertisers or the sport itself, then they're going to up how much they pay. Correct. But what happened was, um, and, I, and I find this interesting, in the World Cup, and these are real facts, 70-plus women in the World Cup playing in different teams are gay. Over 100 if you count the coaches. Then if you go and have a look at the Aussie team, there's, we have a squad and a very good – apparently it's a pretty good team. I don't think they'll win the World Cup. I have watched a bit of, of the Women's World Cup. I know a little bit about football. Not 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 a great expert, Hunty, but a little bit. I saw Germany play uh, in some shorts this morning. I don't think the Aussies can beat them, but we can hope. We can hope. Um, but 13 of the 23 in our squad are gay. And so – uh, this is something that the reporters who have been reporting on the World Cup have taken up on. And, of course, they're very supportive of it. And um, one BBC reporter asked a girl from Morocco where it is actually illegal to be gay, and if you're caught, you'll end up in jail for three or six years. I can't remember how, but it was pretty serious. It's seen as a crime, and it's a pretty serious punishment. And I don't think... I've never been to Morocco. Have you, Hunty? Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be a place you'd want to be in jail, would it? No. So this guy actually, this BBC reporter, asked the captain of the Moroccan team, was there anybody on her team which was gay? Which is a pretty inappropriate question, because if there was and she had revealed it, they would have ended up in jail. What I found interesting was two things, Hunty. Mm. The FIFA stepped in and tried to stop it, but this report, and it goes to show you how rabid mm. the press is. You know he pressed on anyway? Really? Even though he'd been given a warning by, by FIFA. Mm. Um, and I found that a little bit disconcerting. Um, the other thing that I found interesting in this World Cup 
is probably for the first time ever, you know, well, yeah, probably the first time ever, billions will be, will be, um, what's the word? There will be billions of dollars revenue come in from it. And there are a lot of people watching it. So I just found that interesting. And it just goes to show how right or wrong as we deal with issues in life, we need to be careful how we use our tongue, aren't we? Yep, yep, yep. Um, because it can hurt other people. Uh, this second news story, Greece at war. Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, talking about the temperatures over there and the fires. You know, they're, they're, again, you're, you've spent a lot of time in Europe. In Greece, yeah. I have never, ever, ever seen temperatures in Europe like this, 48 to 51 degrees. Yeah. And fires on some of the Greek islands so out of control that they actually are having to take everyone. Evacuate, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it makes you wonder where we're headed, doesn't it, over the next over the next little while. Well, we're, um, the prediction is for us that New South Wales, we're going to cop a lot of heat and a lot of fires due to the fact we've had a tonne of um, rain and vegetation growth. So we're, we're in trouble this year. We've had a lot of trouble, a lot of rain, which is if you go out my way, near my farm uh there is a lot of vegetation growing up in the bush and it believe it or not the um ground is still pretty wet hunty from right. all the rain we've had it hasn't really dried out at my farm in fact you and i were out there the other day remember we drove yeah, across the dry that's true <laughs> bed of the dam and almost sunk up to our axles yeah. uh, <laughs> which i found a little bit disconcerting but it was fun wasn't it It was mate? fun yeah mate. Um, but it just goes to show that the temperature, whether you believe in global warming or not, I happen to, and I've said that on this program before, the temperature is heating up, and it's heating up more and more and more. Um, and this last news article I found, the US study reveals eight habits that lengthen your lifespan by 24 years. Did you bother oh, to look love at this? this? This is a great Can- one. Can we go through these and let's, see, let's, see let's, whether let's. you're going to have a long... Let's not talk about me. Let's talk about okay, you. Okay, fine. Fine. Are you physically active? More than around 30 minutes a day of moderate to vigorous physical activity. Ooh, 30 to 40. You don't do that every day. Yeah, in the pool five days a week. No. Absolutely. If you've been to the pool five days a week over the last four weeks, I'll give you a million dollars. Well, you know I was away in Tari for a week. We weren't away in Taree for a week. We went up to Taree Thursday night and came back Sunday. <laughs> okay, let's move on from being physically active, Mr okay, Hunt. Since March, I've been five days a week in the pool almost without fail. Yeah, of course. Um, never having smoked? No, never, never had one puff, no. So that's a good one. Good diet? <laughs> high in fruit, brilliant, and brilliant diet. Fruit, yes, high in fruit and vegetables, for example. Yes. I mean, as I'm doing this with you, Hunter, you're going to live a thousand years, mate. Oh yeah, no yeah. Way. for it's, sure. You're for super. Sure. You're super fit. There's no chance of you ever vegan. Getting, super fit. This is why we're doing you and not me. Uh, not regularly binge drinking. Never had a drop. There you go. I love that. Never touch a drop of alcohol in your life, except what you've had in the medicine that you get for your cough. Oh, that, that's nice. Uh, this one you might struggle a bit more on, though. Good sleep. Yeah, I sleep pretty good. Thanks. He sleeps good, but let me let you... Let, it says seven to nine hours. I get I'll six, sleep six nine. to seven. Uh, I'd say, Hunty, three to seven. Six to seven. I've known him to get less than three. On many occasions. I get messages often from Hunty at about three in the morning saying, I'm doing this program and I'm editing this. What is da-da-da-da? And I'm thinking, oh, goodness. (laughs) This one, positive social relationships? Yep. 
lots of good friends. Stress management based on how well people cope with high stress situations. I, reckon I just I'm, ignore them. I, <laughs> I've got a real problem with that. I, <laughs> I, I do stress out in my relationships with people, especially if things aren't going well. In fact, I'll tell you something, Hunty. I'll, I'll let something on with our listeners. I do struggle with my um, blood pressure. I am battling to get it down. I'm exercising. I am on diet, doing good stuff generally. I can't get it. If I go off my drugs, I go, I went off. I missed them for two or three days. I went back up to 140, hunty. Oh, dear. Were you in the pool today? I was. No, I'll be on the pool. I'll be in the pool tonight after this program doing cool. close to 200 laps. Nice. Yep. And then this last one, being free of opiate addiction. Yep. I haven't uh, had anything like that yet. Well, I would say let's go away from you. Physically active. I'm moderately physically active. I could be more. I'm probably doing between three and five days a week. Nice. Uh, never smoke. That's me. That's nice. I'm on a, I am on a good diet. Yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah, I am. Well done on the diet. Not regularly binge drinking. Don't drink at all. Good. Good sleep. Six to eight. Stress management, not great. Being free of opiate. I, I, both of us are doing okay in yeah, most yeah, yeah. of our yeah, I don't even know what, op- what opioid drugs oh, I do because I've, I've avoided them my whole life. We just don't take drugs, full stop. That's it. Um, we're, we're hard-pressed even drinking caffeine, us too, auntie. We don't have a lot of anything in our lives except fat foods. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, you, you look at these news um, items today, um, the stress of how governments treat their sportsmen if they don't go along with their ways. It's in the world everywhere. Globe warming up, mm. I think we ought to admit it. We do. And struggles with our health. I mean, look up. Yep. We're not going to be here much longer. I told my church the other day, pack your bags. Don't put your foundations down too deep in this earth because we're about to leave. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Ask the Aussie Pastor, hunty. Okay, if you would like to send us a question, and we would love to get a question from you this afternoon. Uh, you can send them to us one of two ways. You can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us, and the email address is theaussiepasta at gmail.com. This song, what a beautiful name. My daughter really likes this song. She sings it. Do I like it? It's okay. It's kind of more contemporary, hunty. Well, then I might enjoy this one then. <laughs> what? Are you cont- you're not an old dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> I like contemporary songs. Um, it's sung by a group out of Manila. It is It is a beautiful song. If you listen to the words, really, really beautiful. See what you think of it. You were the word at the beginning One with God Name it is. What a beautiful name it is. 
something hunty mm. a lot of people i guess a lot of secular aussies wouldn't get this i know you do 
But when I was up in Papua New Guinea, and I've mentioned this a number of times, and I got, I, I took on, I was doing this big program, you remember? Yep. Uh, up in, uh, where was I? Mount Hagen. Hagen. Mount Hagen. No, Mount Hagen, up in the highlands, you know? And I, I had all these people who were coming out of the bush, sitting down every night. And you remember, I um, kind of took the devil on. And most Aussies will find this really weird and uh, maybe unbelievable, but it's fact. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, it's what happened. And I, I actually said to the people, Satan's a loser. And, he, you know, and then I kind of addressed the devil himself and I said, you've got yours coming and you know it. And and this was in an area where there was a lot of witch doctors and a lot of devil worship and all this sort of stuff. Yep. Went home that night and uh, woke up in the middle of the night with these hands around my neck. Because mm. I, 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 what do you do when that happens? You reach up to try and... Yep. And, and there was there was no hands there, but I was choking. Yep. And, Very um, scary. That song, what a beautiful name, and how powerful is the name of Jesus. I just, I couldn't even talk because I, I was getting throttled, and I just cried, and I, and I kind of sensed what was going on. That hey, what what's going on here? I, I've got a demon on me, so I, I just cried out in my mind, Jesus, help. Yep, and I use that word, Jesus. Yep. Nice. You, you know, the, the moment I cried out, Jesus, that demon was wrenched from me, thrown across the room. Yep, that's the way it is. Now, whether that was Jesus himself or one of his powerful angels, doesn't matter. Mm. The fact is the name of Jesus is beautiful and it is very, very powerful. He promises to come to your aid yeah. whenever you use his name. Yeah. Hey, on a different subject, a lot of people are struggling to sleep these days, Hunty. It's true. Yeah, we, we laugh about us sleeping. It's almost a pandemic in this country. Yeah, you and me do sleep all right when we do sleep. Our, our problem is not sleeping, it's whether we choose to sleep or not, especially <laughs> you, mate. <laughs> I reckon you fly late, you fly deep into the night, man. Yeah, but I get my six hours, that's what I do. You do, but you do fly deep. I mean, it, it, But I get excited when I meditate, like being creative, and once the juices are flowing, you gotta, you got to keep milking all year away. My problem if I'm reading a book or I'm into something on YouTube, that's what takes me deep into the night. But oh, see, yes. I fall in rabbit holes too. Deep into the night for me is 1 o'clock. Deep into the night for you is 3.30. 3.34, that's deep. <laughs> yeah. 1 o'clock to me is oh, just the late night. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but but 3.30. But people do struggle to sleep. And I thought I'd look into this bit a little bit. And, and last Friday night I shared a message I want to share for our radio listeners. And I hope you find it interesting. And I hope you find it not just relevant but helpful. Um, I actually called it Why Can't I Sleep? Here we go. Why can't I sleep? That's a good question. You know what? I know what it's like not to be able to sleep. I remember a time in my life when I'd go to sleep, 8 or 9, 10 o'clock at night. I'd lie down on my bed. I dreaded to go into my bedroom because I wasn't sleeping. My bedroom was a place of uh, of conflict, of, of trouble, of trial. I just wasn't sleeping. My bedroom actually became my enemy. And I know what it's like to go to sleep and try all night to get to sleep. Oh, it's devastating when you see the sun come up and you have got no sleep. Don't drive if you haven't slept. They reckon it's like being drunk. I used to get headaches. I used to vomit. I used to get more distressed. It was an awful cycle of fear and anxiety and depression because I wasn't sleeping and I'd go to bed and I'd want to sleep and the more I wanted to sleep, the less I'd sleep. It was just a devastating time in my life. And I reckon what's sad is that statistics tell us that 48% of Aussies struggle 
with their sleep. That means half the population, 10 plus million people at some stage or another during the week are battling to go to sleep and that is awful. Now there are a number of reasons why people can't sleep and I don't pretend I can deal with them all today but I want to just look at a couple of them. Number one, people don't sleep because they've got sin and guilt on their conscience. We'll look at that in a moment. Number two, could be a health issue. Number three, Well, you're living in a troubled world and it's full of anxiety and fear. And the fourth one, why I think people sometimes don't sleep, and people surprise when I say this, maybe God just wants to talk to you. Let's look at these four reasons people don't sleep. Number one, sin and guilt. I like this text, John 16 verse 8, talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. And the Bible says this, And when he, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world to convict me. He'll convict you of our sin. And of God's righteousness, how wonderful God is, and the fact that God is coming in judgment. Now, if he's convicting you of sin, and he's convicting that God is coming in judgment of that sin, perhaps that's a reason not to sleep. I mean, there are, a whole lot of, there are a whole lot of sins that bother us and perhaps keep us up at night. Perhaps you have committed some terrible, dishonest act, ripped someone off thousands, sometimes millions of dollars, whatever. I'll tell you what, that'll stop you sleeping. Maybe husbands, I'll talk to you from my heart here for a moment. Maybe you've got pornography in your life. Your wife doesn't know it. Your kids don't know it. Very damaging. You know it's damaging. You're committing adultery, fornication with that computer. It's going to stop you sleeping. Maybe you've got relationship problems and you're doing, you are doing something within that relationship to damage it. That's going to stop you sleeping. Or maybe you're into domestic violence. You're the perpetrator of domestic violence. If that's you, I can tell you right now, there's no excuse. Whether you're a Christian or not, there is no excuse for domestic violence. But you've fallen into a trap, you've fallen into sin, and you're violently abusing your partner. That is going to stop you sleeping. In fact, I'd argue it should stop you sleeping. Or maybe you're not attending church. People think, oh, that's a weird one. Look, if, if you've been a Christian and if you've been close to Jesus, you know how important church is because you're in the presence of Jesus with your friends and family and other church members. It's a powerful thing to go to Jesus and worship all together and you're not going and Jesus is calling you to it and you're refusing to go. He's going to interfere with your sleep. Or maybe you're just telling lies or involved in bullying, whether it be at school, at university or in the workplace. I mean, all these things stop your sleeping. Or this one, I reckon this is a big one. You might have committed a crime in the past and you've not been caught for it. And it's weighing in your conscience, on your conscience. And you know that the police could come to your door any moment. Oh, that's going to interfere with your sleep, let me tell you. Any sin that is causing you guilt, can and often will wake you up at night. It's a fact. How do I know? How do you think I know? Because sin has kept me up at night too. And it's quite devastating. By the way, I got that dog up there because that's a YouTube video. I love it, of this dog who'd eaten a whole lot of biscuits that he wasn't supposed to eat. Two dogs in the house. Guy comes in and asks each dog, this dog does look so guilty. I thought I thought I could put it. I've got to use it in my program today. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's another story. Um, if you've got a sin weighing on your conscience that's so heavy that it's keeping you awake at night, can I encourage you to do this? Take it to God. Take it to Jesus. This is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. I'm telling you how to deal with sins that keep you awake at night. 
talk to Jesus about it. Tell him about the sin. Tell him about how it's worrying you and ask for help. Now, if you talk to him, first thing he'll do is he'll forgive you. And that's a big deal to be forgiven of God because all sin ultimately is against God. You go to him and tell him no matter what the sin is. I mean, you should, maybe you should be in jail for this sin. Doesn't matter. You still first need to go to God. Talk to God. He will forgive you. He will take away the guilt. I know what that's like when God takes away the guilt. Great burden rolls off your soul and your heart. I mean, it's going to help you sleep. So not only will he forgive you and take the sin away, he shows you how to get out of it and what to do. Very, very powerful. And it will help you to sleep. I like this text, talking about taking our sins to God. Micah 7, verse 19. Once again, you will have compassion on us. Oh, our great God, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. Ah, how good's that? And you throw them to the depths of the ocean. That's good enough for me. So I talk to God. I give him my sin. He takes them. He pays a price for them on the cross. Then he takes them out to sea and throws them to the bottom of the ocean where no man can go. You do that, I'll tell you what, there's a chance you just might sleep like a baby. That's the first one. What about this one? A health issue. I'm not a doctor, not a nurse. Sometimes I have too much to say in my own home about uh, health. My wife lets me know that. But if you've got a health issue, whatever it is that's stopping you sleep, I've only got one thing to say today. Go and see a doctor. Don't be like my mum. Oh, we battled to get her to see a doctor. She had a, a an issue not long ago which almost killed her. We couldn't get her to see a doctor. Look, if you've got a health issue, you know it's a health issue or you think it might be a health issue or you're suspicious of it being a health issue, go to a doctor. You know, when I, was, when I couldn't sleep, I was telling you about that. I went to a doctor. After going to the doctor and having some medicine prescribed to me and it wasn't sleep sleeping tablets. N- not that there's anything wrong with sleeping tablets in their place, but it wasn't sleeping tablets. I went to the doctor, I was prescribed a medicine. Within four to six weeks, I was sleeping like a baby. I, I did have other issues, but also had a health issue. Go to a doctor. Don't hesitate. Uh, number three, a troubled world. Oh, man, we are living in a troubled world. I mean, the... I sat down with my financial advisor to look at my superannuation, not looking real good at 59, 60, probably not going to have enough to properly retire when I'm 67. I'm doing my best and as we're going through it and he's showing me what I could do and saying, well, you could do this and you could get that. One of the things that came through very clearly are there are no guarantees and that causes people anxiety. You have no financial guarantees in this world. It doesn't matter how mega rich you are or how poor you are. This world is a troubled place when it comes to finances. And if, you, if you're a goodwill and, and, and if your peace of mind is rooted in being financially secure, you're going to be up at night. You can guarantee that. Or maybe you've got no job security or you're worried that you're going to lose your job. That's going to keep you up at night. Maybe it's Ukraine, Russia and the threat of nuclear holocaust. You'd be surprised how many people get anxiety and worry from that. It keeps them up at night. Or maybe it's food security. As weird as it might sound, I've struggled with food security at times and I've gone and hoarded up on food. I don't think that brought me any security, never brought me any peace and certainly never gave me a better sleep. Or maybe as we've looked at already, you've got a relationship problem. You've got a marriage that's breaking down. I've been there. That's horrendous to your sleep. Awful. Uh, It's trouble. Maybe you're worried about the pandemics. I mean, this last one we had. By the way, COVID-19 was real. Jesus predicted it in Matthew chapter 24. It made me scratch my head when I see Christians going around and say, COVID-19, the pandemic was not real, that it was planned. No, it wasn't. 
doesn't matter where it came from, whether it was in a, in, in a lab in China or somewhere else, it wasn't planned. It's a pandemic and Jesus, Matthew 24 says, we're going to have these things at the end of the world and people are getting anxiety and worried about that. Perhaps they ought to be because I'm going to guarantee you this, it won't be the last one. And for those who think that COVID-19 was planned, I mean, it's ridiculous. Go and talk to my wife who's lost three precious close relatives. He talked about in her hometown in Indonesia, how they're putting bodies out on the street and people coming along and collecting them as they do the garbage here in Australia. It was very, very real. And don't you mistake the 100% top-notch hospital system here in Australia that saved thousands of lives in that pandemic. Don't you mistake that for what the rest of the world suffered. It was real. And if people are anxious about that, I get it. Maybe somebody's got a health issue. They're anxious about that. They're worried. Look, it doesn't matter what it is. There's a million things in the world that can worry you and interfere with your sleep. Well, I want to tell you this. If that's you today, listen to what Jesus invites you to, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come. This is a beautiful call from Jesus to the anxious and the fearful, those who are afraid, those who are up at night and can't sleep. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry these heavy burdens. Jesus said, I will give you rest. So sin and guilt keep you awake, Jesus deals with it. A health issue, go to the doctor. A troubled world, Jesus will deal with it. Number four, people don't get this one, but it's true. God might just want to talk to you. Do you know how many times, and it took me a while to recognize this, God has woken me up in the middle of the night simply because he wants to talk. And you might say, well, that's unreasonable for God to do that. Could be the only time God can get you aside with all the distractions so he can talk to you. And I have learned that when God wakes me up in the middle of the night to talk to me, not to fight it, not to try to go back to sleep, but to talk. And I tell you what, it's the most sweetest, it's the most beautiful experience to have God talking to you in the middle of the night when there's no kids, there's no noise. Oh, sorry, Liz, no wife, no distractions, no work, no hunting, my producer, director in my ear. None of them are there, just God and me, wow, it is peaceful, it is beautiful. So when God wakes me up, and you'll know if God wakes you up, I talk to him, I listen to him, yeah, I do, talking to me. And in his time, as I'm talking to him, I wander back to sleep. Oh, that is a peaceful, beautiful experience. And I've told God, you can do that to me anytime you want. I mean, look at this text in Revelation 3 verse 20. This is Jesus wanting to talk to you. Look, said Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When he says share a meal together, he's saying share communion and fellowship together as friends. So if that's happening to you and you're not sleeping, praise God. Hey, I don't know how true this is or not, but it kind of is my experience. If you're talking to God, I have found you wake up in the morning after you've had that talk for an hour or two, sometimes a couple of hours for me. I don't feel any tighter. In fact, I feel strangely refreshed. So the four reasons we're looking at today, sin and guilt, take it to Jesus, get rid of it. A health issue, go to the doctor. Also tell Jesus about it, he get rid of it. Troubled world, you're fearful, you're anxious, go to Jesus, get rid of it. Oh, God just wants to talk to you, praise God and thank him that he wants to come to you. I, I kind of want to leave you with this in Psalm chapter 4. This beautiful psalm, go and read it if you're struggling to sleep. And claim it. Many people say, who will show us better times? 
Let your face smile on us, Lord. Don't you like that? Look at it. Many people say, who will show us better times? If you're not sleeping, that's a good prayer. Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and you wine. In other words, you've given me greater joy than all those rich dudes out there. Why? In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. I want to finish with this. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10 says, Lord, you are my strong tower. In the midst of... Now, this was a key moment for me in my experience of no sleep, which was... Trying to work out how many years ago. It would have been 2008, so we're in 23 now, so... This is 15, 14, 13 years ago that I was going through this experience. I couldn't sleep. And one night I'm awake and this thought came to me, Proverbs eighteen ten, Lord, you are a strong tower. It's the middle of the night. I'm going through nights and nights and nights with very little to no sleep. And I think God was talking to me in the midst of my troubles and my trials and my anxieties and my fear. It was actually in the middle of my divorce. And he comes to me in the middle of the night. This was a key moment for me with Proverbs 18.10. I am your strong tower. And I imagined that night as I was lying in my bed. It's the middle of winter, so it was cold. That I'm in a strong tower. And I'm surrounded by enemies outside. And there's a massive slow snowstorm out there. I don't know why I chose snowstorm. This is my imagination or perhaps God talking to me. But here I am in this strong tower and I'm next to Jesus. I feel emotional saying this. I'm next to Jesus and he's got me in his arms and he says, Lloyd, just sleep. I'm here with you. And so it was like he came down that night and put his arms around me. He says, you're in the strong tower. I'm your strong tower, said Jesus. I'm here with you. It's okay. You can sleep. And that was the beginning of me going back to sleep. When finally I recognised that whether I sleep or whether I'm awake, I'm in the strong tower with Jesus and I'm going to be okay. I, I, I don't know. It just brought me beautiful peace. And sleep came to me. And to be honest, I don't know. I, I have nights now where I don't sleep. The older you get, the more you experience that. Actually, I could have put that in there too, old age. But... uh when I'm awake now, it's a joyful thing with the Lord. It doesn't worry me anymore. All my anxieties and fears belong to Him. I'm in the strong tower. That's Jesus. I'm with Him. So no matter what is thrown at me, I'm going to be okay. I pray that that will be your experience too. Let's pray. Lord, I know tonight, as we've spoken about this, really, uh, it might be new for some people. It might not be for others. Some might see what I've shared as the answer. Some may not be convinced. But Lord, I just pray... Wherever those who are watching this are tonight, and whatever their experience not sleeping, that you will send, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit into their hearts. May they know that you are a strong tower, that you are with them, that you have taken their sins, that you will shield them from all their anxieties and fears, and that you will give them sweet, blessed, uh, peaceful sleep. Oh Lord, may they grab hold of that promise and believe, and may they experience, I pray for each insomniac, non-sleeper in the name of Jesus right now, that you'll give them peaceful, beautiful sleep. This I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. That program every Friday night, um, live. Yes. Usually at about 6 o'clock. Depends how we're going here, though. That's right. Um, Sometimes we do it a bit later. But mostly around six. Um, Fountain View Academy yep. is an academy in Canada. 
uh, which I wanted to send my boy to, but he wouldn't go hunting. Really? Yeah. I wonder why he didn't go to that. Yeah, he didn't want to go. Fair enough. Which is a shame because it's such a good school. It's a musical school. That's why I wanted him there. And yep. it's, a, it's a really good spiritual school too. And this song, Your Grace Still Amazes Me, is one of my favourites. My faithful Father Enduring friend Your tender mercies like a river With no end It overwhelms me Covers my sin each time I come into your presence, I stand in wonder once again. Your grace still amazes me, your love is still a mystery each day I fall on my knees cause your grace still amazes me your grace still amazes me 
music from Fountain View Academy mm. uh, music we often have on from that school and I really appreciate it and enjoy it in fact when I listen to music like that it soothes my soul Harold mm. Harker are you there hi then uh, Lloyd I'm here with you again how are you going up there in the north a bit cold today but we're there yeah it is cold it's a beautiful day but it's cold um Anyway, this is a good story. A guy by the name of Desmond Doss, perhaps if you've seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which was in theatres a couple of years ago, you'll know a little bit about this guy. Um, just before we get going, Harold, did you ever meet Desmond Doss? No, I've never met him, but I've read the book all about him. My dad was a chaplain for the US Armed Forces in Korea and then in Europe, and a number of times he met Desmond Doss. He would get Desmond Doss across to speak to the servicemen. And he always said this guy was a humble Christian gentleman. And uh, so his story is an amazing one. I think without further ado, let's get into it. Um, When and where was Desmond Doss born? Well, he was born just after the end of World War One in February 1919. And the place was in Lynchburg, Virginia. Now, Lynchburg. What a name that is. Yeah. If you don't get lynched there, but the eastern part of the United States. Yeah, okay. What did his parents do? Well, his dad, William, was a carpenter, and his mother, Bertha, she was a homemaker at home, but she also worked in a shoe factory. So in a sense, pretty much probably at the lower side of middle-class America. Yep, that'll be right. Yep. Um, what was his mother and how did she raise him? Because this is, this is really key in his life story. Well, his mother was a very strong Seventh-day Adventist Christian and she raised him with the strong beliefs of the Bible about keeping God's holy day, the Sabbath, mm. about not hurting others, that's non-violence, mm. and also he just happened to be raised as a vegetarian. He's actually he's actually belonged to the church that both Harold and me belong to, that we belong to. And uh, if you don't know much about Adventism, you can look us up online, but we're, we're a Protestant um, reformer church, really, and we believe in the Sabbath, as has already been Seventh-day Sabbath, Second Coming of Jesus, Soul Sleep, all these biblical concepts and beliefs. And he, that's how he was brought up. Did he have brothers and sisters? Yes, there was an older sister, Audrey, and there was a younger brother, Harold. Okay, so he's right in the middle. Where did he attend church? Well, in Lynchburg, that was the, the little town he lived in, and he would have gone to the church, the Adventist church in Lynchburg. Um, now, Harold, I asked you this question just to give people an idea as we're looking at this man's story. What would he experience at church on the Sabbath? What would, what, and I know you know the answer to this. What would he experience? Well, he would have gone to uh, study the Bible because the Adventist Church believes in the Bible and there's always a time when the Bible is studied. 
and then there is a preaching service and much praise and singing and he would have been involved in all of that yeah okay you're talking about the bible we call that sabbath school kind of a little bit like sunday school isn't it yeah uh, where everybody splits up sometimes it's demographic ages from the kids right through to the youth and we do study the bible and then there's a worship so it's a good time actually i love it um what did he do when he left school well, he left school and he went to work in the lumber company. We'd call that the timber company because it was depression and the family needed every cent they could get to live. So he, he went to an Adventist school, is that correct? Yes, he went to the Lynchburg Seventh Adventist School and he would have taught, been taught there. So this kid's really Adventist of Adventists. Grew up in the Adventist church, went to Adventist schools. Um what did he choose to do? Because I found this interesting when war broke out. Well, he was working as a joiner in a shipyard in Newport News, Virginia. So he worked with the ships, and that was really a, a special thing in wartime, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he actually didn't have to go to war, did he? You know, he didn't have to, but he finally opted to. Which was amazing. So he could have stayed home, built ships, that would have been it. But he joins yep. the army. Where was he trained? Well, he, he was trained in Virginia, the same state, at Camp Lee. And he went there April 1, 1942. Okay, the war's really starting to crank up. Um, what unique and strange decision did Desmond make? And it did. <laughs> it was an interesting decision. And it caused him lots of problems. Well, you know... He was uh, believed in non-violence. You don't hurt other people. You certainly wouldn't kill other people. So he refused to carry a weapon. He was a non-combatant, and he would serve his country, but he wouldn't carry weapons. And if you watch the movie, you'll know that at this stage that he ran into real, real trouble with his commanding officer, who basically was uh, punishing him for not uh, carrying a rifle, making it very clear that if he didn't, that he'd either be thrown out of the army or thrown into jail. Um, it's an interesting story, Harold, how he ends up going uh, before the general, court-martialed. Yeah. He was really court-martialed for this. And he won the case, which, which was unusual. Right. And the general, what was so where, where was he assigned after he won that court-martial, which was unusual, and he was brave, he, he was competent from his fellow soldiers, he was competent from his commanding officer, it was coming from everywhere, but he stood firm to his belief that he would not carry a rifle. He wanted to be, he didn't want to avoid the war, he just wanted to be a non-combatant in serving his country. So where was he assigned when he wins this court-martial? Well, he was assigned as a medic, and medics are needed right on the front line, and he served with his platoon in Guam and then in the Philippines. In, in, in a, now, he was a combat medic, which, which he wasn't... So he wasn't carrying a rifle, but he was in combat. He had bullets and bombs and everything whistling around him. He was on the front line. That's right. Was he married at this time? Well, yes, just before he left for service, he married Dorothy on August 17, 1942. So he was married... But he had to leave her and go off to war. Now, you say that he served in Guam and the Philippines, was it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, both of those areas he served. Did, did, he, did he receive awards? Was he a brave soldier? Was he... His valour, his, he was known for his bravery, and he was given two, not one, but two Bronze Star medals with a V for exceptional valour. Man, so, he... 
he just felt wounded soldiers under fire. Yeah, so he's under fire and he's going in and he's saving lives. Um, what was his relationship with God like at these times? Because I mean, the reason I ask this, Harold, you can be brought up in a church like you and I are were. Uh, doesn't mean you've got a good relationship with God, does it? No, but he had a very strong personal belief that God was leading him. He was living for God, and he also had a regular prayer life, and he would talk to God every day. So he's into the Bible. He's into prayer. He has a real relationship with God. He's shown courage on the battlefield. He's saving a lot of men's lives. He goes to the island of Okinawa, which was the first island that the Americans attacked, which was actually Japanese-owned, Japanese-held, Japanese sovereign territory, and the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge. Tell us a bit about that. Well, when he went there, every time before he would go to serve, he would pray. And this time was a special battle. Uh, It was on Hacksaw Ridge, as the film was called. And he would pray before the battle. And in fact, one time before the battle, they had to wait for him to finish praying. And they wanted him with them. And so they did that. What had happened is, is, it's just so I get this right. Are you saying that... They're going into battle. He has to pray and have his devotion with God before he goes. Yes. And the men would not go with him, so they held the entire attack up until he'd finished his devotions. Then they went into battle. It would have been five minutes or more, but they all waited for him. They wanted him with them. They knew how brave he was, and he had to be part of them. It's amazing that he's gone from a man of disrespect amongst his unit to a man of such respect they won't go into battle without him. So what happens on Hacksaw Ridge? Well, Hacksaw Ridge, the fire was tremendous. And soldiers were wounded everywhere, and he saved 75 soldiers. He would take them back and let them go down to a place of safety. He helped them. He really gave them their life again, 75. Some say it was up to 100. It's his commanding officer who actually said that, that it was over 100. Is it true that he was praying a prayer, just one more, Lord, just one more? Yeah, that's right. So he's he's up... He's up there on this ridge on top of a cliff saving 75-plus men, and as he's doing it, there's there's bullets and there's grenades and everything thrown around. They say in this story, and I've got it on pretty good authority that this is true, that a Japanese sniper got him in his sights. Do you know about that? Yeah, well, he got hit. He was uh, a, a sniper's bullet, got him in the left arm, and he had to be carried back because he he was just so right in the front line. So he saves all these men, he gets wounded. Was that the end of Desmond Doss and the war? Well, he was taken off and put back on a hospital ship and finally would have been taken back to America. So he goes back wounded. In fact, he got tuberculosis or something over in the Philippines as well. Is that right? Or, right. Or one of those... That- that, could, that really gave him big problems later in life. So he goes back to his wife, the war is won. What sort of a life did he w- live after that? Well, he tried to work, but because of this wound in his arm, he couldn't really get back to work, so I guess he was on a pension. He was, and he ended up going and buying a little farm where he lived his days out. Um, right. as, as I said, he still had a lot to do with the army. My, my dad himself... Uh, um, 
used to get him across to to share with the military. And Dad said that whenever he would talk, those boys, and these were boys in war themselves. This was when the Afghanistan-Iraq war was on, and my dad was a chaplain. He said those boys would sit down and they would listen with dead silence to this old combat medic who refused to carry a gun and yet served the Lord in, the, in, in, in you could say, in hell, saved, wasn't just the 75 lives at Hacksaw Ridge, probably hundreds of lives through his right. Yeah. His wife died quite a bit before him. That was a tragic story in itself. Well, she died in it. She was involved in a car accident, and uh, he was driving her to hospital, mm. but she died in 1991. Uh, when did he die? Well, he died 15 years later in 2006 at his little home farm in Alabama. What do you learn when you look at this brave man? I mean, Hollywood makes a movie of him. And by the way, if you haven't seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, go and watch it. It yeah, is fabulous. Uh, what do you learn from his life, Harold, when you look at it? Well, if you put your life in God's hands, he will look after you and he will lead you and you can be a witness and save so many other lives in whatever you're doing. Fantastic story, Harold. Loved it. I love having you on here because you've got all these beautiful stories. Next week we'll meet again for another one. God bless you, brother. God bless. Bye. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Oh, that's a good story, that one. That's a good story. I asked Harold to do that, and he went and researched it, and, boy, he's a fount of all knowledge, that man, Harold Harker. For sure. And truly, my dad said that this guy, Desmond Doss, was the most one of the most amazing men he ever met. Indeed, indeed. And I was amazed when Dad told me he'd met this guy a number of times. Um, I met him once. Where'd you meet him? In uh, Utrecht, in Holland, in 95. Oh, what are you doing? I was working over for the Adventist Church on, on what we call the GC. Did you meet him or did you see him and just uh, hear him? I passed him. I didn't really get to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm one up on you there. My dad <laughs> knew him. <laughs> you know, I didn't know him. I, I just I met him there as in, you know, yeah, hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's quite a hero in, in the Adventist Church, that guy. Totally. Um, we're proud of him, but he's not just a hero amongst us. Uh, you, you know, I, was, I, I kind of got telling the story of Harold, and I know we're running out of time, Hunty, but um, <laughs> when he was up there on the top of Hacksaw Ridge, a Japanese sniper got him in his sights. This story comes out after the war. Yep. Tried to shoot him three times, and three times his gun jammed. Oh, love it. That's you awesome. Know? That's God mm. doing amazing things. It is. Uh, I chose this song by the Evans family. They're a beautiful family of singers, actually, out of the United States. I really like their singing. Yep. Not contemporary. Sorry, Hunty. <laughs> <laughs> i got a few people like the contemporary music on my team from my church yes. out there. Yes. But this is a beautiful song, Till a Storm Passes By. I mean, this guy, Desmond Doss, was in a storm. He just stayed with God no matter. He stuck by his principles, and his life was a, a living example of what you can be if you've got Jesus beating inside your heart. I like this, this beautiful song, Till a Storm Passes By. <laughs> Crash of the thunder 
precious Lord, hear my cry, keep me safe till the storm passes by, till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no Ashley Daigle, she's a very famous contemporary Christian music artist. Mm. She was born in September 1991. She always loved singing. When she was eight years old, her mother finally dobbed her in. That's an Aussie. Is that a New South Wales word or is that an Aussie word? Oh, I know it. So. Yeah. To the local church choir director and she went for a trial and the very next week at church she was singing lead before the choir. She went on to star in American Idol, I think in about 2010 and 2012. Actually didn't go too far, Hunty, but ended up cutting some albums and became very famous. Her testimony about her and Jesus is very moving. It is. I think you might enjoy it. Thanks, Hunty. Roll it. Yes, we thank you, Jesus. 
inside We thank you, Jesus That you hold everything we need Everything we need, God Yes, we thank you, Jesus God, when I need you You come running after me You are trustworthy in every circumstance, Jesus Oh, you are the keeper of all our trust, Jesus And when the world feels weary You are our hope You are our foundation, oh We thank you, Jesus Yes, we thank you, Jesus Oh, 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 we thank you, Jesus Yes, we thank you that we can rely on you mm. I just, I remember during the 560 days of stillness But no one was counting God just met me in the moment and he reminded me of what it was to find my first love again and I I feel like yeah it's the best I'll just say that but I was talking to someone yesterday or maybe it was maybe it was two days ago I don't know no it was yesterday golly the days feel so long <laughs> and uh, we were talking about disappointment and I was up here on this stage for 12 shows, I think it was 12 shows, before the shutdown happened. And as a child, God would show me these tours and visions and dreams. And I would literally see them. I could see crowds of people and I could see tour buses and I could see charts and awards and all these things. I wasn't even singing. I was like the closet singer that sang in her shower, sang when she was getting dressed. Nobody knew that I could sing. And um, my mom went to the, the worship leader at our church, the choir director, and said, Hey, my daughter sings all the time. All the time. All the time. And I don't know if she's any good, but if you would just put her on the back row of the choir, maybe she'd have an outlet to get this out, you know do something with it and so I went and I auditioned I didn't really audition he showed me this song behind the church and he said sing this for me and it was the song Hosanna and I was like Hosanna Hosanna like really sheepish and he goes Lauren I have heard you laugh before you better sing that song and I was like oh gosh and I said I don't know if this is singing or if this is screaming I don't know because I was like belting it, but I didn't know what belting was. I just thought I was screaming at the top of my lungs with the melody attached. And I found out that's not what that was. <laughs> and he said, get ready, because in two weeks I'm going to have you lead this song. And um, I had never really sang in front of people. I, I was so new to it. But in this time, God started showing me all these things. And here we are, fast forward. Every single decision that I had made in my career I made focused on the dream focused on those visions that he showed me over and over and over and over again
It says those without vision, they'll perish. And it was like he gave me the foresight for years and years and years and years to come. And here I am and I have finally arrived to the moment that I was seeing all of these years. And it was the Lauren Daigle World Tour. It looked exactly like, exactly like what he had shown me. Like exactly. But at the start of the tour, he said, hold it loosely. And I was like, all right. Well, that's interesting. Didn't expect that. And he said, hold it loosely. And I remember just the first, <laughs> don't tell anyone, uh, but the first, second show, one of our major props broke. We're not going to reveal any secrets yet. And I remember the team coming to me and they were like, you are not going to believe what just happened. And I was like, it's all right. And there's just an ease about letting go of things that would be seemingly important. And then the 12th show came and everything had to shut down. And I remember feeling like, God, what is this disappointment? It took me six months to literally get out of bed. I was so heartbroken because at 16, he showed me something, a dream, a vision. And 12 years later, I was there to fulfill that. I could see it. It was exactly what I, he had shown me. And on the 12th, something interesting about the 12th, I got to look that up. But on the 12th show was when it all fell apart. And the weight of disappointment is so suffocating. It is so isolating. It is so gripping. And I don't know if there is anybody that has walked in with disappointment tonight. But I promise you, he can be the restorer of broken dreams. I promise. Because the thing that's so interesting is I used to never talk about God at shows. I went through this phase where I didn't want to talk about God at shows because I wanted it to be more inclusive. And I didn't want people to feel afraid. I wanted them to feel invited. But how could I introduce love when I'm not talking about love himself? And in this time of 560 days I said God what where did all this go and he said Lauren you got to go back to why you sing why do you sing you sing to love me you sing to show me that you care that worship is the thing that precedes a miracle if you are desperate for a miracle and you begin to worship and worship and worship, your eyes will become so focused on the thing you're worshiping that you won't have time to give fear and anxiety and stress to the things of this world. And he said, you have forgotten. Yeah, it's amazing. He said, you have forgotten the heart of worship. Just come back to your first love. And I am so grateful for those 560 days because not only did he take away disappointment, but he allowed this stage to be an even more beautiful experience than it would have ever been because I actually remember worship now where I was going through the motions and just doing show after show after show. Now I get to sit and bask in his presence every single night. And I was missing it. And he just said, girl, come on back to your first love. Just come back. I don't know if you've walked in with disappointment. I don't know if you've walked in with sorrow. I don't know what it is that you've come in here with tonight. But I do know 
that he who has began a good work, he is faithful to complete it, and he will complete it. And even in disappointment, even in the weight of the world on your chest, God is gracious, he is kind, he is loving, and he will take you even in spite of your weaknesses, even in spite of you trying to run as far away from him as you possibly can. You might not even know who God is. You might be an atheist. You might not care about all this at all. And that is a-okay. I'm glad you're here tonight. I fully believe that by the end of it, you're going to know a little bit of something about Jesus that you may have never known before. Come on in. Come on. Sit at the table because we got a lot of food to eat. There's a feast and it's wonderful. But in this... 560 days I say God I'm not forsaking a moment of worship Taking all I have and now I'm laying it at 
And my daughter sings that song pretty good, but she's in America at the moment. How's she doing? She's living it up over there at summer camps. I saw some life. photos of her on a ski boat, a massive ski boat. Yeah, she's. Dri- I thought good times. She's driving that ski boat. That's what she does for a living. Good on over her. there for her for for her uni break. But she'll be back and into it again soon, and back to her boyfriend. I'm sure he'll be glad to see her. <laughs> um, Last week, we did a Bible study we on did. the second coming of Jesus. I like to swing by this subject every now and again just to remind people of what's going to happen. And the reason I like to do that is because there's a lot of different ideas out there about what will happen when Jesus comes. And uh, so I like to remind people what the Bible has to say so that we can then stay in the truth. I think that's really very important. Now, Hunty, are you ready to go? I'm ready and to go, And is that yes. thing right or is it wrong? And I'm asking about the time of the Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, a bit, it's a little generous, but it's good. Okay, you're going to fix that in a minute or? Okay. Can, do you want me to keep talking while you fix it? Oh. <laughs> we're on a, we're on a. We're on a bit of a what tight schedule today. What happens is, is not. All right, it's fixed now. Normally these things work for us. But, yes. Um, their time. We've got a couple of digital gremlins today. We have. Yes. We have. Yeah. Um, in Matthew twenty four thirty thirty one, which we read last week, it tells us Jesus is going to come. And it's going to be very visible. Yes. Revelation chapter six fifteen yep. through to about verse seventeen, it told us that when Jesus comes, there's going to be a lot of people not happy about it. Yep. And of course, if you don't know Jesus when he comes, it'll be an alien invasion. Of course, you're not going to be happy about it. First Thessalonians chapter four, we looked at this last week, told us very clearly that when Jesus comes, there'll be a resurrection of those who have died who love. Him. That's why I'm not scared of death, hunty. Mm. Because the Bible mm. clearly says if you love Jesus and you die, well, you go to sleep and you'll be resurrected when he returns. So why would you be worried? Yep. Death's just a sleep. Yep. And I don't mind sleep. And that's a good one. Deep sleep. In fact, you know, from the moment you close your eyes in death to the moment you see Jesus is quicker than a heartbeat. Yes. If you're the person dying. That's right. 
I've always said death is never a problem for the person dying. It's a problem for us who are left, yes. especially if that person dying loves Jesus. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I wanted you to read this one, Hunty. Sure, got it. 51 through to 55. Sure. You're going to read it from your sure. favourite NLT? Uh, NLT, yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah good. This, this, so this is, again, a description of the second coming of Jesus, but it starts to open it up a bit more. I love this part. Yeah, me too. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. Can you just stop there for a second? Sure. Paul believed that he was probably going to be alive until the second yeah. coming. <laughs> yes. He had no idea. I reckon I reckon yeah. that God designs it like that, that every generation thinks, thinks they're the last. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I agree. go on, mate. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It's going to change. Mm. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds... Those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death where is your victory? A death, where is your sting? So in Jesus comes, two things happen, according to this verse. There's a resurrection of those who died, who love Jesus. And yep. when they're resurrected, brought up out of the ground, recreated, that's what that means, they're recreated. Yep. They'll be young, they'll be perfect. Mm. You know, I've buried a lot of people in my time. Many with cancer, a lot from old age, broken down with sickness and disease and vulnerable and weak. That's not how they're raised. They're raised perfect in immortal bodies designed to live forever. That's the first thing that happens when Jesus comes. That's the very first thing that happens. So my little old wizened grandmother, who for me was always old, when she, when I was born though, she was what? 59 my age. <laughs> but to me, she's always been an old lady. She died just before she turned 101. I always only ever known her as a little old lady. But I saw a couple of pictures of her when she was young and she was beautiful. Mm. I never knew that woman, but I did. Um, when she is resurrected, and she will be because she loved the Lord, she went down into the grave covered in grace and she'll come up out of the grave covered in grace. And, uh, and what that means is she's saved by Jesus. You're saved by Jesus as you die. So you, he, he knows your, D, your DNA map, hunty. Mm. And he knows my grandmother's DNA map. Why? Because he's the one who put it together. He made it. He created her. And when she's resurrected, he'll create her again, but she'll be created perfect. I struggle to recognize her. Maybe when I hear a talk, I'll know it's grandma. She'll come over and say, hey, it's grandma. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is that we who are alive change. And for guys like you and me, Hunty, I'm 59, you're 50-something. We want that bad because we're getting older. Where our bodies mm. aren't working how they should. Yep, I'll take a refresh. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, every night I've got, I've got this rotor cuff injury. I can't swim in the pool. I've got to walk. I got a knee that every time I get in the pool, hunty, yeah. and I do exercise, about to do some more tonight. Yeah. You know what happens to yeah, my root? It swells up. Yeah, my knee that was replaced, it swells up like a balloon. Does yeah. it hurt? It hurts a bit, but it's not bad for it. It's just it swells up, and yeah. it's huge. Yeah. And you've got things going wrong with you. When Jesus comes, we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed in an instant from what we are now back to young men, perfect DNA, created to live for eternity. 
And then we rise up into the sky together with those who are resurrected to be with the Lord. And that's what the Bible says here. Read verse 55 again, uh, 54 and 55, mate. Sure. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. A death, where is your victory? A death, where is your sting? So uh, that's what I want you to know, that that when Jesus comes, that's the end of death. No more. Where do we go? If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't stay here on earth. Where do we go? John 14, 1 to 3, Hunter, you want to read that sure. for me? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Okay, this is the New King James Version. Yes. Another version says, in my Father's house are many rooms. That might be a bit more accurate, but I like the mansions. Yeah, I'll take a mansion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> go on. Okay, um, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be I also. made a mistake here, Hunter. Uh-oh. I meant to say this is Jesus talking. Okay, yes. He's talking to his talking disciples. To his disciples and You're going to have to read it again. Sure. <laughs> I, because I forgot to tell people that. Yes. This is Jesus this is talking. Jesus. This is Jesus yep. saying where we're going to go. Yep. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many Where's mentions. his Father's house? Heaven. Yeah, in heaven. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So he's going back to heaven. This is 2,000 years, speaking to his disciples. Yep. He's going to prepare a place yep. for them. What? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Well, that's what we've been looking about, mm. the second coming, mm. yes. And receive you to myself that where, where I am. Where is he? He's in heaven. Yeah. There I am. You may be also. Yeah. So when Jesus comes... The dead who love him are resurrected, perfect bodies. We who are alive are changed in an instant, perfect body. We're taken up into the heavens, and we go back to heaven. How long does it take to get there? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do we travel through space to get there, I suppose? Blink of an eye. Where is it? Where is it? I don't know. Yeah. What's it like? I know a little bit about that. And before we go on too much with this story next week, Hunty, yes. I'm going to come back and I'm going to have a look at heaven with you. Nice. Going to have a look at what heaven will be like. It's fantastic, man. Sometimes I sit and I imagine heaven. It's fabulous. Is it a, is it a smoke screen? Is it a cliche? Is it not real? It's real. It's very real and it's coming. And if you love Jesus and you accept him as your saviour and you invite him into your heart, it's that simple, mate. You do that, when Jesus comes, he's going to be coming for you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Shout to the Lord. When I hear this story about where we're going and what we're going to do and what it'll be like up there in heaven, I want to shout to the Lord. This song by Don Moan. Who wrote this song, Hunty? Am I, I putting you on the spot? I don't know. Shout to the Lord. Hmm. Is it another hill song? Is it another... Um... I, 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 Let's find out while the song's being played. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. It's a good one. Sing it, Rachel. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days. of your mighty love my comfort 
Shout to the Lord was written. It's a praise and worship song written by Christian worship leader Darlene. Check. Check. 
1993. Beautiful song. A popular worship power ballad was published by Hillsong Music Australia. Um, yeah, um, it's a good song. We sing that in church. Whenever we sing it, church enjoys that. Okay, Hunty. Okay, it's time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Yep. But, so I'm stalling, I'm looking for how much time we have left. All right, here goes. <laughs> Is that accurate? It's going to be once I ask you the first question. Okay. <laughs> All right, run for the question. Oh, dear, this is embarrassing. You haven't got it? I have now. Phew. All okay. right. Okay, the first question we have today is, I struggle to understand why God allowed and sanctioned so many murders and deaths in Scripture, like when Aaron went out and sanctioned the killing of more than 3,000 men, women, and children. It is a striking blow to someone who has found God's love and then reads stuff like that. Why does God allow that kind of stuff? And that's from made of yours, I think, Geronimo. It's a really hard question, that one. It is a hard question. Because I think all of us who read the Bible, study the Bible, or students of Scripture come across it at times where there's loving God who allowed us to, well, he took our sins and then allowed us to put him up on a cross and died on the cross for our sins, our Saviour. Um, in other places in the Bible you see this God rampaging through the pages, um, bringing death and destruction upon his enemies. Yep. Um, and there are a number of places. The flood probably is one that stands right out where men, women and children died in that flood, that worldwide cataclysmic flood. In fact, only, uh, as I remember, four, eight people survived it. Um, and then you have other uh, examples where 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were killed outside Heze the walls of Hezekiah's Jerusalem. You have uh, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, that we went to. And it gets back to the sovereignty of God, who is the ruler of this earth, who gives life and takes it away. And our struggle to deal with the sovereignty of God when it doesn't necessarily fit within a paradigm that we are comfortable with and i have one answer to that really and it's not all that satisfactory but i live with it i have learned to accept the sovereignty of god even when i don't understand it a lot of people don't like that i i get the sovereignty of god but it's still the the, the god that i the father that i love and worship is a god of love and i can't i can't join these two concepts together in my head love is not always a good feeling thing Right. My dad used to put, I remember one of his cows got stuck on the mud and he put it down. It was love. He had tears in his eyes as he did it. Right. The cow would never get up and never walk again. I think wickedness and evil is so bad and causes so much damage and it wounds a human hearts and souls and experience so much that sometimes God just has to stop stop it, intervene. Um and that can cause the loss of life. And people don't like that. But I'm going to go back to the reality that in the end, again, he is sovereign. And there are things in God's sovereignty that he does that make me scratch my head and step back and wonder. And I struggle with it. And I don't have answers because I don't have the ability to get right into the mind of God. And there are things, I'll tell you right now, Auntie, mm. that I've got ticked away in little boxes in the back of my mind that when we get to heaven mm. after everything settles down and I sit down on a, I was going to say on a stump up there but or on a tree log but I guess there's nothing dead up there but I sit down maybe on the grass next to God and we're going to have a talk and I'm going to ask him some of these things. Yep. 
I mean, bro. Me too. You're with me. When we went up and baptised the dude. Yep. Who's dying. Yeah, dying. Two kids under five. Yep. How Why? do you... Why? But it's more than that because in the Bible you've got God wielding the sword and bringing people's lives directly to an end and it comes back to sovereignty and I, I, I wish I could do better on this and I'm pretty sure there'd be pastors out there that can but I can't and the only thing I do is I rest in what you do which is the love of God, Hunty yes. which has been so magnanimous and so merciful for me mm. I, I just rest in that and say I don't get it, Lord but I'm going to talk to you more about it when I get up there, and it doesn't destroy my relationship with him. Does that does that make yes. any sense, or yeah, am I? No, that's that's babbling. exactly true. No, I like that. I, I can't answer it mm. because you're asked. People ask me questions on God's judgment and sovereignty that only He can answer. But all I can say is He is a good God. He is a loving God. He is merciful, and He's not willing, Hunty, that any should perish. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is the sort of God he is, this song, Above All, Hunty. Yep. This is sung by a Jew, an Arab, and an English-speaking Christian. All are Christians. So here you have the Arabs are Palestinian in Jerusalem, supposed bitter enemies, brought together by Christ, friends in Christ, colleagues in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, singing as we close our program today about the power and the majesty of God who is above all. Above all powers Above all kings Above all nature and all created things Above all wisdom and all the ways of man You were here before the world began
beautiful song. Ran out of time to finish it. We did. Not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Love that song. Maybe we'll play it another time, but it is the power of Jesus Christ to bring about reconciliation when nobody else can. It's there. It will always be there. That's Jesus. Mm. And if your life is needing reconciliation, if you're looking for peace, go to Jesus. Let's pray. You are a good God. You are merciful and you are gracious. And you bring together those who should be enemies. You bring peace. You make friends and colleagues and brothers and sisters of us all. You join us, Lord, where no one else can. And there's again... It is, Lord, your power, your wisdom, and your love. Bless each of our viewers, our listeners, Lord, now as we close our program. Keep us safe until we meet again next week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name is Hunty. I'm the man in black and the tech. And we love you. But Jesus loves you so, so much, much more. more. See you. Oh. We will see you next time. God bless. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 